Welcome to the Sports Finder Podcast. Let's get ready to rumble! Welcome to the business of NIL. My name is Ahmed, and today we have a very special guest. We have Amanda Kristovich, who is a reporter from Front Office Sports. Um, Amanda has covered basically in the last year or so the whole uh, college journey, the whole uh, NIL journey, the, how it's come to live, the Alston case. Basically, has her own. Um, newsletter that she that she pushes out every single week on a weekly basis with the latest um college updates so amanda's definitely got a ton of insight for us to share about the world of nil and college sports so let's let her in and let's let her come to live with us amanda how you doing Hi, can you hear me? I can hear you. How are you? How's things? I'm good. I'm good. Nice to see you again. Yeah, you too. You too. Um, firstly, welcome to the business of NIL. I just did a small intro while uh, waiting for you to connect. Um, let's take you, let's basically go straight in into things and Maybe you can share with us a bit about yourself and your and your background, and then we can get into all the NIL stuff and whatnot. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, thanks again for having me. So um, basically, my name is Amanda Kristovich, and I am the college sports business reporter for Front Office Sports. Um, so I write a weekly newsletter about everything business of college sports, which, um, as you can imagine, is basically almost exclusively about NIL these days. Um, and I actually, today's my work anniversary. I've been working for front office sports for a year um, to the day. So um, that's, and, and NIL is pretty much what I spend all, all day, every week covering, um, trying to figure out what's going on. And, um, you know, so that's kind of um, what I do on a day-to-day -day basis. Awesome. So, Th throughout the uh, whole journey of the last year, a lot of the talk has been about athletes monetizing, and a lot of those athletes are in uh, divisions where there's a lot of money coming through, right? Like Division One and so on and so on. There hasn't been much talk about the athletes who are in the lower divisions who um, there's not much money in, the, in their sports, there's not much attention media wise. So I think it'll be good in this segment to really touch upon. Uh, their journey and share some insight based off what you're hearing on the ground, the feedback you're getting from, from people. Yeah, it's really interesting because the lower divisions, obviously, um, you know, they don't have the big media deals that the, um, that division one does that power five does, but they have athletes who may have big social media followings. And that may not even be because of, the fact that they're athletes, like they may have, um, you know, made a funny video on TikTok that went viral, or they may have some other talent. 
Um, you know, for example, one NAIA athlete, Chloe Mitchell, she got famous on TikTok doing DIY projects during the pandemic. Um, so there's actually this large opportunity for athletes in Division Two and Three to um, sign endorsement deals and do social media um, specifically, especially if um, they're famous on Instagram or Twitter or something for something that, you know, for something outside of their sport. And this was something that they weren't able to do before. Um, they would have had to, like, get a specific application for the NCAA to say, like, hey, I want to make money off of my, um, you know, my DIY projects or whatever. And in a lot of cases, they, they weren't able to either way. Um, and I wrote a newsletter about this a few weeks ago that the lower divisions are aware that their athletes have opportunities. Some of them have big opportunities, like Chloe Mitchell. She signed an $18,000 endorsement deal, um, and she's not even in the NCAA. Like, she doesn't even have the NCAA's platform. But um, they're aware that their athletes, even if, you know, they might be the big sport in their local, in their small town, they may be in more rural areas, and there are businesses that might want to part with partner with them so they're like totally aware that this is going to help their athletes but the athletic departments themselves don't have really a lot of money right so their concern was we're seeing all the, these power five schools partnering with consulting firms and various companies to help with nil education and you know social media creation content creation all these things and they're like we don't we don't we can't afford to give our athletes those opportunities so, you know, the same that like LSU might give their athletes. So, so what do we do? Um, since that newsletter, actually, I've gotten some of the answers to that. There, there are a couple companies that have at one in particular, like reached out to me and, and they were like, oh, we're offering our services for free. Um, you know, so like we want to target lower divisions and, you know, some of the um, athletic department officials were trying to be creative about like, saying what types of, um, you know, like that they could use other resources that they had to just try to be creative and, and give their athletes any sort of assistance or education. Um, but, you know, I think that just goes to show that those opportunities are out there for those athletes. Like the first week there was a, a division three tennis player who um, made a social media advertisement about, how he wanted to sell tennis lessons and like sell literally just hanging out with younger kids who play tennis. And part of his pitch was, I'm not famous and like, I'm not even that good. I'm very mediocre. So like, you know, ha ha, it's funny. Um, and I actually, uh, I haven't heard yet if he was able to uh, get any customers, but like that was part of his marketing pitch because it was, you know, it was like kind of funny and it was unique. So that's kind of what's going on with the lower divisions right now. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it goes back to really understanding um, the community that, that you come from. Because most of the times in the lower divisions, especially the lower divisions, community support is going to be the first thing that is going to enable you to monetize your NIL. Whether it's an experience that you sell, whether it's a lesson that, that, that you give to local kids, whether it's, um, it's a piece of memorabilia that 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 you that you sell or auction off, they they're going to be the ones that are going to um, really focus on supporting you, 
So it's it really, it's with, with these athletes, what they need to start considering is looking at the circles around them. Not too far, not, not, not all these big businesses because not everybody's equipped for that, right? So I think that a, a lot of these students uh, need a ton of education and they're missing key vital points that honestly, it's, they're right in front of their faces. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, and I think another thing too is there, you know, I think the education is around kind of explaining to athletes the tools that they like already have and the ways that they're already marketable and they're already interesting. Um, you know, it's, it's been interesting for me to see, you know, companies come in and say, you know, we're going to, we're going to create a, a class or whatever. And I think that there's obviously something to be said for that when it comes to like financial literacy, learning how to, you know, like do your taxes when, you know, you're signing NIL deals, things like that, you know, but I, I just sort of wonder, like, you know, I feel like a lot of the education needs to be around just telling the athletes like what they already have going for them. And like, especially with the social media generation, just like what they already do naturally and like know how to do and know, um, you know, what to post and when to post. And, um, you know, like this generation is better. I feel like we talked about this the last time I saw you, like this generation is better equipped for NIL than maybe any generation previously, because, you know, they've grown up with the tools that they're going to need to make money. Yeah, absolutely. Like the, what, what we're seeing now is an issue now with high school kids because so many of them have large followings. And uh, the only state from memory is California where they can actually monetize on that. So that's going to be the next thing. It's going to be, all right, so how come high school kids can't, can't, can't make this money too? So it's definitely going to – It's what we're seeing is we're seeing a revolution. We're seeing a, a time of change and innovation, and it's going to hit the – not K to 12, I'd say – uh, the later years as well as the college. So basically the education space itself is going to see a lot of change in the next few years. Um, I think we'll start seeing a lot more pressure from other states to let the um, high schoolers start monetizing. But yeah, I mean, it's definitely something that they, they have to smarten up. All these kids will start doing all these shady deals and get themselves in, in a ton of trouble and, and create a lot more headaches. So, and that's where Overtime's done very well with their OTE league, where they're basically bringing in kids 16 to 18 years old and keep giving them contracts and paying them well, healthcare, financial literacy, you know, all the sorts basically and, and tools that they need to really go to the next level past the overtime league. So from, from that standpoint, have you, have you been hearing much about high school sports? Yeah. It's funny that you asked that because that's actually going to be the topic of tomorrow's newsletter. I'll give you a quick preview. Um, so well, there you basically, go. yeah, I mean, it's like you read my mind. Like I didn't yeah. even, I, I, we haven't even talked about that yet, but um, I, so, so last week, um, one of the most famous high school athletes, um, Mikey Williams, he's a basketball player. I think he's a top 10 prospect, um, the class of 2023, I believe. So the draft class of 2024, um, he is, he, or the, for over the last few years, he's been building his brand and he's been building his following. And he has millions of followers on Instagram and he's like 16. I think he's a rising junior. 
And so he signed with um, an agency, like a marketing agency, Excel Sports Management. And I spoke with them um, yesterday about that decision. And, and they were kind of, you know, telling me, they were like, look, he's in high school, sure. But, you know, he has become like an influencer among high school basketball players. And so not only do we, you know, not only do they think brands are going to be interested in working with him and already in a span of four or five days, they said multiple brands have reached out about working with him, but they as an agency, like think it would be beneficial for them to jump in the ring and represent him, um, which was really interesting. And it, it's, it's a bit of a strange um, landscape right now because there are some law, uh, some States, like California, where um, their federation says, yeah, I guess you can profit off NIL if you're in high school. We don't have any rules against it as long as you don't use like a trademark or something, you know, without permission. Uh, there are other states like Mississippi that embedded in their college NIL laws that high school athletes can't profit off their NIL. Um, so it's like kind of an uneven landscape. And Mikey, for those of you who made who don't know, um, he isn't going to be playing for his high, his high school team. He's going to be playing for an academy um, that is not subject to any state federation. So he doesn't have to worry about um, that sort of thing. Um, and that's kind of why, like, people are like, well, why hasn't LeBron James' son, like, signed with Excel? And it's like, well, he, he goes to a private school in California um, that maybe he will now that California has come out and said it's okay. Um, but you know, uh, it's my understanding that his private school is part of the California um, high school, like it's called CIF, their federation. So um, the experts that I talk to, the people kind of working in the high school space, like really think that there's an opportunity there. Um, the high school federation, the national one, they have like no power really, but they're like very against it. They're very against high school athletes profiting off NIL. They sort of were peddling the same arguments that people peddled with the NCAA. But it was interesting because they were like, yeah, we think it's great that NCAA athletes can benefit from NIL. We just, we just think it's different in high school. They're, they're younger and they're this and they're that. So, you know, I mean, I, I put some of their comments in there because I think it'll be interesting to, for people to hear their, their stance. But they're arguments that we've heard before, which is interesting. Yeah, I mean, that now poses poses another risk for high school sports too because if there's these academies now that these kids can play in and make millions of dollars, which in his case he could potentially do and LeBron James' son could easily do, I mean, what's going to happen then? I mean... <laughs> yeah, and, and, and they did sort of caution and say, you know, it's a bit of a free-for-all in college sports right now. In high school sports, it's probably not going to be that way. There aren't going to be as many opportunities. People aren't just going to be throwing money in the beginning. So they think that there, there aren't going to be as many athletes who could make as much money or enough money that it would be worth them jumping ship and going to these academies or whatever. But you do make a good point, and, and they do believe that, that that is what is going to happen for the athletes who do think they can make money. They, they, why not move across the country if you think you can make a million dollars before you're 18? I would. Exactly. Um, and a lot of these kids have huge followings, man. People that I've never heard of or any, or your regular person has. You jump on their TikToks or their Instagrams, they've got massive followings. So, and they're pretty savvy too. They start really, really young. So I think, uh, 
I think that they got themselves in a bit of trouble and they don't even know it. But anyway, um, moving on. I mean, you've seen, well, now starting in college, going down to high school, we're going to see a world of revolution happening in front of us. What's your thoughts, I mean, on on everything really? Because like NIL, especially in these lower divisions, do you think the schools will, will embrace the the educational part? Do you think the students will, will, will do the same? I mean, uh, July 1st wasn't the most ideal. Most kids are on school holidays and don't even, that most of them don't even want to know what, what, what anything's about. They just want to enjoy their summer holidays. And then once they go back to school, it becomes part of, part of, part of the grind. So yeah. What are your thoughts on basically so far, what, what you've seen, what you've heard, what you've followed in the last year? Yeah, I think that there's a huge appetite um, for all types of athletes. I think I think the schools, so talking just about the college level, right, because that's what I've spent most of the time on, the schools are embracing it whether they believe that it should be happening or not because they know that it's a recruiting advantage for them. Like they know that if they can't um, brag about you know, the ways that they're going to help their athletes make money and give them resources to teach them how to make money. Why would the, why would, why would an 18 year old come to their school versus a different school? Like, you know, there's, there's this idea with NCAA sports that it's all about education. And that's just unfortunate, fortunately or unfortunately, not the case for a lot of athletes. And just the average, again, like if I I was not um, a college athlete, but if I, if I was, if school A was telling me, you know, I can help you make money and school B was telling me, eh, I don't know, do it on your own. Good luck. Why would I go to school B? Like, right. So, so they're all a thousand percent on board. They, or, or at least there are people in every department, I feel like, or most departments that are on board, even, you know, some of them are going to be slower than others to change. Some of them are not going to have the same budget to give their athletes, you know, these classes and these speaker series and, you know, hire open doors and influencer, um, you know, but they, they all, they, they all know that they need to make it part of their marketing pitch. Um, as for the athletes, I mean, I think July 1st showed us that, um, athletes outside of men's basketball and football know that, that they have a huge opportunity women's sports athletes know that they have not only a huge opportunity to make money, but they have an opportunity to use the skills that they've been already using because their whole lives they've had to convince fans to watch them. Like they've always been the ones, you know, people are like, why would I watch women's sports? And so they've always been the ones being like, here's why I'm going to promote myself. Right. I don't have any, marketing dollars. I don't have any resources. I don't have any media covering me. So I'm going to promote myself. Now they can take those skills and literally make money. Um, and, and so that's going to help them as well. And, and several of them have already, you know, I mean, more than several, but like, you know, I had some names written down, Nebraska volleyball players, uh, Fresno state basketball players, you know, they've already started profiting. And, and I think that, um, the ones who waited, Obviously, like you said, a lot of them are on summer break and like not all of them knew what was going on. Um, But I just don't know why they, you know, the appetite that we already saw just goes to 
to show how many athletes are going to be interested in this, especially in the fall, because, you know, like they don't have Chloe Mitchell, the NAIA athlete told me that she was like, we don't have time to, you know, work at a bar or like, you know, do a campus job, right? Like we, we just, as athletes and as students, we don't have time for that. So like, even if it only amounts to like minimum wage for an athlete, it's still a social media post is, is way less time than working an eight hour shift. So like, that's going to help them. Um, and, and, and all the athletes are going to be interested in that, I think. Absolutely. Well, there you go. Um, a, a lot to absorb, a lot happening, uh, definitely interesting times. Um, Amanda, once again, it's always a pleasure to chat to you. Uh, you've been great. You've shared a ton of insight with us. Um, any parting words before we wrap things up? Um, I, I would just, thanks again for having me. Always great to, to chat with you. I mean, I know you're, you're an expert on, in this as well. And we've had some interesting conversations. I mean, I, you know, I know we're going to wrap up, but I'd love to hear, this is like the journalist and me, like, you know, kind of what your thoughts have been like over the last few weeks, um, you know, kind of what, what you're gearing up for next. So basically what we're seeing is um, from our end, the education is not there. Um, so a lot of these kids don't even know where, what they can and can't do. And the compliance yeah, totally. departments are taking forever to, to, to pass things, basically. Um, so that's definitely a bit of an issue. So us personally as a company, we're definitely moving. We're launching our NFT marketplace next month. And we're in talks with many athletes, pro and, and college athletes, to be part, part of that launch. So that's really been our focus. Until the kids get back to school, until they know what they're actually doing, the college space is uh, – most of the deals that have been done now have been brand deals, you know. It's been the mm -hmm. larger ones. There have been brands. We've actually been approached by, by different agencies and whatnot for looking for college athletes to feature in brand deals. But the issue is the brands are also working it out themselves, right? So, so it's honestly, to me, like when you first asked me about, what, what, about July 1st and I said to you, it's just, it's just not a day. I mean, we're just going to watch. It's still, it's still in that phase yeah, because – yeah, there's, there's still so many unknowns. There's still so many things that people are adapting to. you got people coming out, making announcements, calling things that are completely illegal. Um, you got people getting caught up in all these different things. I mean, I think it's, it's one of those uh, things where you, you, you got to let people go through a bit of a journey to sort of appreciate what's to come after it, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's all from us. Um, once again, thank you very much for joining me on the show. I really, really appreciate it. And obviously we'll, we'll, we'll stay in touch. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks again. Bye. Take care of yourself. See you later. Thank you for listening to the Sports Finder podcast. We'll catch you on our next episode. Y'all ready for this?